All right. Happy Mother's Day. No, no. no let's try this again. Happy Mother's Day. I did some research and I found out that most people that I've interviewed had one or more mothers, but at least one. And uh, how many of you appreciate your mom? And so today we're celebrating, uh, uh, you know, grandmas, which were mothers when no one remembers, and... (laughs) And we're celebrating Mother's Day and also two future mothers of America. We're trying to, um, so what that means is if there's any like surprise cookies or anything, I think think they're letting the future mothers of America get those, right? Yes. Now we still require you get married and all that stuff, call together, but anyway, moms, what a a beautiful thing a mother is. I, I think about my mom, all the... Back in the 50s and 60s, see, you guys don't realize how boring life is now. Back in the 50s and 60s, your mom used to be putting on her nylons while driving, doing her nails, and there were no seat belts. And, and balancing a cup of coffee and stopping kids from hitting their head on those metal dashboards. Remember that? They didn't have padded dashboards back when those old Chevys and some of that. Man, it was like metal to metal. And I'll tell you what, so many of us hit our heads on that, and that's why we're so smart today. It (laughs) shook us awake. And so one of the things about a mom is she's the one that will save you from getting hit by a car and saying, I'm going to kill you now. (laughs) Well, mom, why don't you just go ahead and let the car kill me? Because she really didn't mean that. And so I can't tell you how many times my mother told me she was going to beat me to death. Sometimes those lectures, you'd rather be beaten to death, you know. (laughs) Anyway, happy Mother's Day. Kim's going to get us started here. Awesome. I got, uh, we have a a Mother's Day tradition that we go get flowers that we're going to plant. I love cut flowers, but um, he thinks they're kind of a waste, but he still buys me cut cut flowers for Valentine's and anniversaries. But on Mother's Day, we get all of our plants that we can plant, and then he waters them for me. He did. He offered to get me cut flowers too, but that's not the tradition, so we keep it. But we've been excited for this. How many are enjoying this series on James? It's been awesome. I invite you Thursdays. We've been having a good time at our Diving Deeper uh, Bible study there at Forage. But I was excited about this message today. I actually hadn't done a lot of research on this before this message, and we're talking about the sin of partiality. I think it's kind of interesting because the whole first chapter really ends with an emphasis on not just hearing the word, but hearing, receiving, and then what? Doing it. And so now we get a fresh opportunity for something that we can actually start doing. And I was thinking about this. I'm sure most of us have been in situations where either we have faced favoritism, maybe we've been the favorite, or maybe we've seen other people that had that. I was thinking of one place that I saw it that's not quite as, you know, there's a lot of, um, how would I say this, a lot of political hot buttons that we could hit when you talk about partiality and prejudice and those things, and we're going to talk a little bit about that later. But I remember being in junior high school, how many went to junior high, and there were always, there was that favoritism for the cool kids. And just so that you know, I was not one of them. And so I remember this girl, and I did have her last name, but Steve said I can't do that because what if she watches? But her name was Colleen, and she had a, a really cute, and she was really cute. She was blonde, which doesn't, you know, but she was just all the guys. You're bitter. I'm bitter, no. 
But all the guys thought she was so cute. And I remember all of us girls that were not the, the cool ones, that were not the favorites. We would, I mean, she was cute, but it was like, why her? And why not us, you know? But anyway, I remember that feeling. No. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I learned the truth at 17 that love was meant for beauty queens with clear blue eyes and fair-skinned fair eyes and blue-skinned eyes. <laughs> you used to know the words to that. Those of us with ravished faces lacking in the social graces desperately remain at home inventing lovers on the phone. <laughs> How many of you remember that song? It dates you, but uh, it was. It was actually better when you actually heard it. <laughs> but that song actually did speak of that whole reality of the area of partiality. And then, you know, thinking of this, I think so many of us, and not to make light of it, but there's been a lot of pain in our world because of prejudice, because of partiality, because of showing favoritism. And a little bit later, Pastor Steve's going to share some of the places where that occurs and the pain that happens. But as we were looking at this, the example that Jesus gave is so amazing because he not only, he didn't, he didn't just speak about not being partial, he lived it. I was thinking of just a few instances, and you could find many. One is with the Samaritan woman in John 4. He gave her some of his best conversation, his attention. He shared his, uh, about living water with her, and she had about three or four strikes against her in this area. She was a woman, first of all. That in that day, you didn't really, they were basically thought of as property. She was a Samaritan, which meant that she was someone in a race that was very much, there was a very much of a rivalry and a prejudice between the Jews and the Samaritans. She had lived in a lot of immorality. She was on like, what, her fifth or sixth husband and now living with someone that wasn't her husband. So she was a, an outcast for that reason. Actually, in his faith, would actually be worthy of, of death. And uh, so all of these things, and she would go out to the well, and she had to go at a different time. There was no one else with her. That was where the women would go and kind of chat and talk, but she was alone at a different time because of the prejudice and the things in her life, and yet Jesus was there to speak to her. I think of Nicodemus. <clears throat> he was a, a, a ruler, and yet Jesus spoke to him. He was a, a Pharisee, and Jesus had a lot of negative things to say to the Pharisees, and yet Jesus talked to him and shared about the new birth. Children. Jesus spent time, and the disciples were kind of like, don't, don't waste time with them. And yet Jesus gave them special attention and favor and loved them. And we can go through instance after instance, the blind, the lame, the leper, that Jesus showed great love to. And where did that come from? Honestly, it came because he is God, and he's like his father. And when you look in the Old Testament, I want to read two scriptures to you that talk to us about partiality. In Deuteronomy 10, Verses 17 and 18, it says this, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God, listen to this, who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. He, he ensures, I love this, he ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. That's our God. That's the heart of God. You know, in the, the song, the prophetic song that Gino song sang, it talked about God's love and just that spirit of welcome. And, you know, that's the spirit as we get into this chapter that, that, that James is saying, in your services, there needs to be a spirit of welcome where there's not partiality. And that's why, because it comes literally from the very heart of God, that we have that heart that's inclusive, 
that heart that's welcoming. And it, I love this in Leviticus. How many love the book of Leviticus? No hands go up. Most of us go with Leviticus. Uh-oh. But there's some great principles in there. And listen to this one. Leviticus 19.15 in the ESV says, You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. We're going to talk about that. It's not just the rich being uh, showing favoritism or the poor. It's both. We see, we see prejudice and partiality on both sides. And here in Leviticus, they were commanded, you can't be partial to the poor, and you can't be partial and defer to the rich and the great. But in righteousness shall you judge your neighbors. Wow. What does this tell us? God values people. God values people of every race, of every culture, men, women, children, the poor, the rich, and, he, and that literally was inclusive from the very heart of God in the very beginning of time. And so when James is addressing this, and we're going to look at more about this, he's not addressing something that's new, he's addressing something that is crucial for the church of God to walk in. Listen to this quote from Matthew Henry. It's clear that God is not a respecter of persons giving everyone an equal opportunity, where have we heard those words recently, for salvation and judging all by the same standards, and certainly we should want to be like God, respecting every member of the church as an equal brother or sister in Christ. Isn't that powerful? That's a beautiful definition of equal opportunity. Steve, can you share with us from the book of James now? How about if I read the, the, the portion we're actually looking at? Let's do that. In James chapter 2, starting with verse 1 and following, reading from the New Living Translation, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, so, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, uh, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said, you must not commit adultery, also said, you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others, but if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. We see that, that these verses are kind of raw, actually. Um, you know, we have uh, all kinds of, of, of folks in our church that, that uh, from ranging from people that have no money, they're called students, right? <laughs> 
and, and people that have great careers and make great money. And uh, what's interesting is that if you take, uh, there's been a discussion in the past about the top 2% uh, in America, but, but Americans in our general wealth, we're in the top two percentile in the whole world. And so many other cultures, they look at us and they go, you guys are all rich. And we're going, oh no, not in my country, I'm not rich. Well, yeah, in their country, you are rich. You know, you, you, you have indoor plumbing, you have central air and heating, you have an opportunity for available food and inexpensive food, on and on and on and on. And so when we see these injunctions that James gives, he's talking about a specific type of rich person, which there was a culture in his time where oftentimes the rich or more wealthy people would gain it by extorting. You remember all the stuff that Jesus talked about, the tax collector, and, and, and it was because they, they, they not only had a lot of money, but they got it by extortion. They got it by illicit gain. And so you see in the book of James that when Paul is addressing wealth, pardon me? When James is addressing wealth. Oh, who did I say? Paul. Oh, excuse me. In the book of James, when James is addressing these issues, he's specifically talking about the people who withheld the wages to their workers He's not talking about, because there were rich people that God made rich. Mm -hmm. God was, made Abraham rich, uh, Isaac rich, a lot of people that God actually prospered them and they became amazingly wealthy, but they didn't do it by stealing. And so, right. so uh, excuse me, James is addressing that spirit. But then the sin of partiality, what is it? Because that's our topic today. Um, the Greek word means receiving the face which means to make distinctions and judgments based on external considerations such as physical appearance, social status, or race. Okay, this is huge right now. Yeah. Everything, race, 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 race. And, 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 and let me just say this. Um, mean people suck whether they're white, right. whether they're black, you ain't good because you're white. You ain't good because you're black. You ain't good because you're Mexican. Right. You're good if you're good. Right. And no matter what your race is, if you're bad and mean, you suck. <laughs> and that matters a lot. Yeah. And, th and that's huge because there's been such a tug of war over Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, absolutely. Yes. Black people need to be cared for but so do Asians, so do whites, so does everyone who is born under Adam. All people need to be yeah. cherished, protected. Their children need to be perished, cherished. Their, the, their babies don't need to be aborted. This is the kind of harshness that, that James deals with. Mm -hmm. He's, he's bl blowing the fluff off of now masking other forms of reverse racism. Hello? If, if, if you've been persecuted as a minority, Native Americans have had a rough deal in our country over the years, et cetera, et cetera. But guess what? The answer is going to be that we walk in into the assembly of God's people and we drop all of our distinctives. Right. So we're not looking at a person's face and saying, oh, okay, brown face, good. White face, bad. Black face, great. White face, don't bother applying. These are the things that 
that even the civil rights movement were fought by Dr. Martin Luther King and all kinds of white people yeah. that stood up and said, no, we cannot do what we've been doing. And now we've come full circle and it's coming back in another face. Mm -hmm. Same ugly negativity. And, and so I'm bold enough to address it, to say this, I'm colorblind. I really don't care what your skin code is. I want to know if you're mean and suck, I probably won't spend as much time with you. But it had nothing to do with what color you be. Right. It has to do with what personality you wear. Yeah. And, 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 and if you're a porcupine because you have had some hard knocks, I'm the most patient with porcupine people. I'll work with you and I'll love on you. But let me just say this, I won't blow smoke up your skirt. I'm going to tell you, if you're offending everybody by being a jerk, I will tell you that, because that's what I need to hear. <laughs> and I hear it often, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament. Is this okay? How many of you are okay with just, let's just talk about things that are current without like, oh, we can't talk, man. There's a stinking gorilla in the middle of the, of the living room. Let's talk about it. Right. Okay, from such a way that brings Jesus' perspective and say, hey, we love people. And we care that everybody has an opportunity in our communities to, to do well and, and, and live well. And so we see that in uh, Vine's Expository Dictionary of the New Testament Words, it describes this uh, word partiality or favoritism that's found in James 2.1. It, uh, it, it uh, renders it uh, as partiality, favoritism, respect of persons, servile regard, and snobbery. It means the fault of one who, when responsible to give judgment, has, has respect to the position, rank, popularity, or circumstances of men instead of their intrinsic conditions, preferring the rich and the powerful to those who are not so. So watch this. If you are just a Mr. Suck-up at work and you come home and you bite the head off of your wife and your kids, you're partial. You need to stop. Yeah, that's good. Huh? Yeah. You know, over the years, raising kids that, that their dad was a pastor, not one time did we tell our kids, you need to be good because we're pastors. Right. We told them, you need to be good because that's what's right. Yeah. Has nothing to do if I was Joe Schnook, the ragman, or Pastor Steve. It has to do with kids need to be good so they grow up to be great adults and do great things. Not because... And so the thing is, is that we, 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 you know, back in the old days when we weren't that big, everybody had yelling rights in our church. <laughs> they could yell at the Schmelzer kids. They could yell at the Odom kids. They could yell at the Martinez kids. If you were riding a dog, stroking a cat backwards, you know, going against the grain, then every, every reasonable person that we all knew, they had a right. They were like uncles in the house and aunts in the house, and they'd, they'd call you down. They'd call you on your stuff. Jake, why are you doing that? It was always Jake. It was never Natalie. Natalie was a perfect child. <laughs> but, you know, anymore, you know, you can't, you can't touch people today. Mm -hmm. You know, and, 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 and I'm just telling you, I think among us that, that reasonably we need to, to welcome people and say, hey, uh, you know, we're not going to have partiality. That's right. yeah, you know, absolutely. this person's gone through a hard time. They don't need to follow the rules. That's partiality. And so, uh, so churches can show partiality based on social status, wealth, and race. Should not be. Schools, 
okay? They, they can show partiality. In the workplace, it can go both ways. You can have, you can have a boss and, 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 and he's treating people that have the same output and, and, and work performance and, you know, well, he likes this guy and so that's his crony. So this guy can do no wrong, he needs to be fired. Maybe two decades ago, he's still on. Because why? Because he's the buddy of the boss. That's partiality should not be among us. In the Bible, we see people like Jacob had what appeared to be kind of an undual partiality for his son Joseph. He had, had, what, 12 boys? And yet one of them, well, at that time, 11 boys, and and, and he was showing partiality, and and it got Joseph into some trouble. Rebecca and Isaac. Rebecca chose Jacob and, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, and Isaac chose Esau. <laughs> on and on. I'm getting some help up here because I'm taking. <laughs> so anyway, we get the point that, that, that even in the Bible we see examples of partiality. And again, this is how bold um, Jesus' brother James is. It didn't matter that, that he didn't stay silent. Well, we can't touch that because there are cases of this and there were examples of this in the Old Testament. No, he went right after it saying, hey, it shouldn't be among that's us. Really good. Yeah, that's, a, that's just a good point. I don't know if any of you have experienced that. Maybe in your family there was favoritism. Maybe anybody raise your hand and say you've experienced partiality at some point in your life, favoritism, prejudice. Yeah, hands are all over the room. And I think, you know, I think like, like uh, pastors you said, it's so cool that James was bold enough to say we're going to jump right in. We're talking about not just being hearers but doers of the word. And we're going to talk about something that's a current situation that's going on in our in our congregation, and they jumped into it. And then he jumps into a section in verses 8 through 12, and it's kind of interesting because he starts talking about the law. And if you go back to it, it says, it's good when you obey the royal law, love your neighbor as yourself. And he's beginning to say, and who, remember when Jesus, when they asked Jesus, who's your neighbor, he actually told the story of the Good Samaritan. And he, and he, and he put in someone that they, they would have had prejudice against as the person they were to show that was actually going to show love to that Jewish person. He told that story, and, he, and that was his basis of what it is to find out who your neighbor is. And so when James is jumping into this, he has context for that. And basically what he's saying is, you don't get to pick and choose what laws you're going to keep. Well, I didn't murder somebody, but I did commit adultery, so I'm a per- No, if you break one part of the law, you break it all. And he's doing that in something that everybody would go, duh, to say you're doing this in the way that you treat one another because you're breaking this law in one area and you're acting like it doesn't matter because of what you're going through. They were going through real prejudice. They were talking about when we were reading the history and context, and Pastor Steve referenced it, that the poorer people in the Jewish faith, they were being persecuted and actually being brought to court by some of the wealthy people. And so the way they compensated for that was to try to treat them with greater respect, hoping to earn their favor so that they wouldn't be uh, persecuted like that. And he's basically saying, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to operate with natural kinds of ways to try to get ourselves in good with the people that might hurt us. We are going to walk in love. And then he jumps in and he says something. He talks about how mercy triumphs over judgment. And basically what he says, if you are not walking in love towards your neighbor, if you're not showing mercy, if you're not walking in that way, then you can't expect that you're going to receive mercy when you stand before the judgment seat. That's, that's pretty strong. I'm just reminding you that when Pastor Johnny opened this series three weeks ago, he said that James would make us uncomfortable. I'm a little uncomfortable right now 
Because basically what, what, what James is saying, via God, because God's a God of no partiality, who basically commanded us to do that, what we're being told is, this is not an option. I don't get to choose my form of prejudice. I don't get to choose my form of partiality. And I, I, I found this, you know, um, I've seen this in my own life, that there's been times where I've looked and thought, well, if someone has a better car, or if someone has, you know, better clothes, or if someone is more educated, or if someone, and there's time, go on and on and on. I have to guard my heart from that. I have to go and stop and go, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Again, remember the face. It's not what's on the outside that is where I, I base my love or my care. I have to value what God values, and God values people. And if I want to receive mercy from God, when I am judged, then I have to do what? I have to judge others with what? With mercy. Everybody say mercy. That's a beautiful word, mercy. And I, and I just really, I'm challenged by this. I'm, I'm challenged to walk in God's ways. And I, I like this quote by John Piper. He says this, a Christian is a person who has seen and tasted and lives on the mercy of Christ. If there is no mercy in our lives, if we show partiality because of riches or race and come to no remorse and no repentance, then we don't know him and we will perish. But if we have tasted his mercy and treasure it and live in the liberty of his love, then we're going to show mercy. And that mercy will be the evidence, I love this, of our faith, which carries us through to the judgment. That's powerful. That mercy that we show is going to carry us through, and we're going to receive mercy. I want to receive mercy from God. I remember one time, I'll just tell this quick story, and then I'm going to pass it to Steve to close this out. I went to a pastor's gathering, and I, I, I later found out that it, maybe it wasn't exactly how I felt it, but I remember being a young pastor's wife. I was incredibly uh, shy. I was very insecure, and it still I still remember the emotion I felt because I went to sit down next to this person, and I heard them kind of whisper to someone else, I don't want to sit next to her. And I remember just feeling, I mean, I was very shy, and I remember I was really good at just kind of keeping my face okay, but I remember just, and I can still feel it inside, it was like everything in me went, oh no. Do you know what it made me feel like? That everything I already thought about myself as being insic insignificant, insecure, not worthy to be in that place, not worthy to be a pastor's wife, just all those things, it, everything was validated in my mind. And, you know, I, I don't know if the person meant it the way they said it. You know, later on, we actually had a good relationship, and I, know, I never told them about that because that's not the kind of, I just thought, I'm, it's not, I'm not going to tell them. It was okay. But I, I, re, I never forgot that. And do you know what it made me want to do? And it actually made me do? Kill that person. No, it actually didn't. He would have killed them for me, but... But no, what it actually made me want to do, is it and, it, and I did, is every time I went to a pastor's gathering, guess what I did? I tried to be incredibly inclusive. I looked for that young pastor's wife or that person that looked shy, that person that was standing in the outskirts and looked like, this is so scary. And I, and I purposely went to them and tried to talk to them. Why? Because I remember what it felt like. And I think in this area, if we're gonna, if we're gonna win here, we're going to have to go to those places where we have felt the pain of some realm of prejudice or partiality or favoritism and go, I don't ever want to do that to anybody else. That's, wasn't that the heart of Dr. Martin Luther King? I'm, we, don't, we, don't win, we don't win by hatred. We don't win by giving back what we receive. We give back by love and by mercy. And that's how the, the loving your neighbor as yourself 
is really displayed. So I, I think that that's just a beautiful thing. I want to address uh, treatment that handicapped people feel. Hmm. And, and, uh, and even people who don't speak English. Can, can I make a quick point about not speaking a language? You don't understand it if people yell it at you. Like, there are times that, and, and I have found that, that Spanish-speaking people are the most gracious in sharing their language and not mocking you if you don't understand it. Yeah. And, and they don't scream when you don't understand a word. But sometimes among white people, we think, hey, over here. And, and that's like a form of partiality. Mm -hmm. And it's demeaning. Mm -hmm. The second one is handicapped people. That, did you know that if a person's in a wheelchair, that doesn't mean that they, that, that they can't think? A physical handicap is not necessarily an intellectual handicap. Or a person who, who is, is deaf or is blind. I mean, look at some of the music made by blind guys. Stevie Wonder and, you know, uh, my other guy, uh, Andre, Andre Bocelli, on and on and on. A lot of blind people wonderful musicians. And so, again, this is going to be a lifetime practice. Mm -hmm. Let's not do anything that hurts people who yeah. are downtrodden, or please don't have the uptrodden now feel downtrodden because they just met you. Right. You know, so, so how many of you say, this is, this is something that God will help me on, and I'm going to cooperate yeah. with the Lord on it. Yeah. Amen. And so we need to uh, do a couple of, uh, well, three, three things quickly. We need to examine our own life to see if there's any areas where we're showing partiality. Are we doing it, uh, do we have favorite kids and we communicate it to everybody else? Uh, how about workplace? Do we suck up to certain people in the workplace and we're real snotty with the other people? Church, do we run to our clique? It's one thing we've really fought with in the youth group is we want every young person to come yeah. in this place to feel they're going to have a place and, 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 and a good status. Yeah. Not Absolutely. that they have to wait for a year or two before people will acknowledge them. Uh, social media. Are you on there, you know, hacking on everybody you disagree with? Maybe it would be a good time to take a vacation from it. So examine your own life. Number two, change your way of thinking. And I believe that, that James is, he's a shock guy. He comes in and shows you where, oh yeah, that's exactly what I've been doing and it's yeah. wrong now. Okay. And then thirdly, pray that God will allow you to be merciful just like he is. And so uh, we, right now we want to uh, just, uh, let's just take a moment and pray about that. How many of you will agree with me and pray? Okay. So you're not praying for your husband or your wife. You know, Kimberly needs to hear this message. No, I do. And we take responsibility because yeah. we'll find out that we'll, we'll have bitternesses. Maybe you got hurt by the, the, you know, the mean girls group. <laughs> and so all of a sudden now you've adapted your whole life to retaliate against those people. It's not a good spending, not a good use of your time. Yeah. And so let's just pray. Dear Father, I pray that you would help us in this quest to be impartial like you are. Lord, I, I think of, of even, even people that are coming out of the closet and, and all kinds of new sexual designations and things. And, and Lord, I think there's a lot of hurting people who are kind of confused. And the last thing that people who, 
who have gone transgender or something else is they don't need my rejection. They, they, they need the love of Jesus. Yeah. Lord, as humanity, we're, we're a mess. And, and we, we thank you for the love of Jesus. Yeah. That you could, you could take the most sin-hardened person and by your love you can melt them and transform them into being righteous and fully accepted in your kingdom. Thank you, Father. Thank Lord, we desire to reflect that kind of love and patience, that kind of non-partiality, being impartial, Thank you, Father. Help us, we pray, yes. in Jesus' name. Yeah. Finally, the last thing that I'd like us to do is to think about the Lord. Week after week, we have people who come into this house, and uh, they're super uh, desirous of a brand new life. You know, I think many, many of us have felt that our life is kind of jacked up and, uh, and we need more than just maybe a makeover. You know, there's sometimes <laughs> I like to keep cars until they're really old and they really, really are really broken, 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 broken. There comes a time when mechanics will say, you know, you, you, you need a new car. The best thing you could do is take the gas cap, pull your old car away, put a new, new one there, and put the gas cap on it and keep going. The best way to repair your car and, and, and many people are trying to repair their life that's been broken by sin. And the Bible says that if you come to Christ, that you will be a new creation. He will make all things new. He will change you and make you into a new person. And I found that when, when I came to Jesus, that, man, I just freaked out. It was just so exciting to know him beyond just maybe religious perceptions I'd had growing up. Now, all of a sudden, I knew him as my friend, my friend Jesus, my elder brother, and my father, Father God. And it's been a great comfort to have him. And so week after week, people come in here, and they want a brand new life, brand new life. And so if you're here today, and you say, I want a new life, I don't want to make over. I don't need a, a patch is not going to do. I need a new life. You've come to the right place because that's what Jesus offers you. Well, how do I pay for it? You can't pay for it. It's a free gift. The management fees are extensive. You've got to make him Lord. You've got to, you, you can't be running your own hustle. He's going to direct you in how to live. We all have to obey, but that's not how we earn salvation. That's how we grow in grace. And so right now, if everyone would just bow your head and close your eyes, I'd like to just see a show of hands. Every one of you that say, Pastor Steve, man, I'm hearing you, and I need God. I, I need that kind of impartiality, that kind of love that God has for us and that James was talking about in the book of James. If you're here today and you'd like to join God, get your hand up right up here. I want to... I see a hand back here. Let's keep going. Come on, today's a good day. It's a good day to receive Jesus. Any others? See another hand over here. Right on, right on. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pray together. I love this prayer. I've said it hundreds of times, maybe, maybe up to thousands, I don't know. But we pray to invite Jesus in. And, and what's the meaning for, for you? It means if you believe it in your heart, 
the Lord will save you. Yeah. Amen. And, and for those of you who've already received Jesus, we're saying it as a kind of like renewing our vows. Lord, we still mean it. We need you. We need your life. So God has done the heavy lifting that you could know him. Jesus paid for your sins. And, and what you're saying is, Lord, I acknowledge my sins. I need your life. I need a brand new life. Amen. Let's pray this together. Dear Father. Dear Father. I thank you for the promises, I thank you for the promises that, you offer. that you offer. You offered the life of Jesus Christ, you the life of Jesus Christ in, substitution in substitution for my death. For my death. Jesus, died Jesus died and rose again, and rose again that, I might live, that I might live, that I might have eternal life. That I might have eternal life. Your, word says Your word says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall I'm calling today, Lord. I'm calling today, Lord. Save, me. Save me. You also said, you also said whoever, would call upon your name whoever would call upon your name will not be ashamed. Not be ashamed. Lord, I have shame in my life, and I ask you to forgive me and take away that shame. You also said, whoever would come to you, you would in no wise cast out. I'm here. I'm coming, home, I'm coming home, dear Father. If you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. If you'll be my Father, I'll be your child. I receive you today, dear Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, help me on my timing now. I think we have a matter of cookies here. Oh, that's right. Okay, and the future mothers of America? Okay. Yeah, all the grandmas, moms, and, and girls that want to get married and have children, 18 and older. Sorry, sorry, you 17-year-old girls. Anyway, 18 and old, come on up. We want to pray a blessing over you. You guys have really fattening stuff, and so many of us men will save you from it if you don't want to eat your crumble cookie. I know Sal offered. Sal's back there. He'll take all of them that you don't want. Yeah. Come on down, ladies. We want to pray for you. Crunching. Hey, these girls are nervous that someone's going to get their cookies if they get. Come on, Jamie and Elise. Get in there, you girls. There's going to be cookies. Can I tell you guys something, honestly and frankly? And that is you're beautiful. Speaking for all those guys out here and sons and daughters, the world wants to demean who you are and what you're for. But God's really proud of you. Sometimes even, you know, you're dealing with kids that walk away from the Lord and aren't raising your grandkids right and you, you're praying Lord, 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 Lord don't ever discount mama and grandma's prayers the Lord will round them up don't let the world get you into compromise be virtuous be laughed at better to be laughed at and pure before God than praised and being a bad example we're going to pray a blessing over you.
You're beautiful. That's all I can say. Thank you, Father, for such a beautiful group of women. Lord, we really love moms and, and all these young women that are preparing to marry and become mothers, Lord. Let them get the best of all that we have to share, how to cook, how to confront the husband and survive. Lord, all the moms and grandmas that their heart burns for their children, their babies, and their grandbabies. Lord, I wish I could take away the pain that some of them feel, but there's beauty in that pain even that we just keep banging the altar, saying, Lord, save them, bring them in, protect them, help them get clean and sober. All the prayers, Lord, you've heard their prayers, and I pray, Father, you would bless our ladies. Lord, this day, Lord, I pray that they will walk out of here with some swag to know that you, Father, you love them. You're so proud of them. And all these husbands and boyfriends and whatever the statuses would be, sons, we're so proud. Lord, I pray that that would be a happy Mother's Day indeed. Bless our ladies, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.